back to Balling Without Borders. We took a week break last week just because we had some personal stuff, but we're right back here as always. I'm here with Lana, and tonight we have another special guest. Um, we have Dave Dufour from On the NBA podcast, which you guys should be listening to. And if you're not, shame on you. How's it going, Dave? How's it going? It's going well. Are, are we doing the thing where we pretend like we haven't been talking for 20 minutes? <laughs> Absolutely. Every episode. Yeah, that's... I, I've eliminated that from my life, uh, like for my podcast, and I always make a point to bring it up and make it awkward at the beginning of other podcasts that I'm on. <laughs> I, so. usually, I usually just tune in with the how's it going, because sometimes somebody will go, there's going to be a, a wild card that goes, oh, miserable, and then it turns into a whole entire conversation of their own. Um, you know what? I've done that one time where I actually was honest and like, and it was a podcast I did with Mo Dakil, um on my podcast and I just vented about the terrible basketball team I was coaching mm. for about 15 minutes. It was like a therapy session. We do that sometimes. So we always, we normally sometimes will record pre and post and I'll put a little clips at the beginning of each podcast of just like random conversation. And sometimes there's some very hot takes in there. Extremely all right. Hot takes. Well, all right, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, there's a little tradition here. Whenever we have a guest, uh, me and Alana, go ahead, ask, one question up front just so people get to know you a little bit better for those who don't follow you and for those who do can also get to know you a little bit better so uh alana you got your question ready i got it go ahead um if you could have dinner with any one player from your favorite nba team who would it be um so i don't have a favorite team um but uh i'm a closet spurs fan okay i'll say uh manu ginobili it's a good one i was gonna whisper say pop say pop (laughs) Well, I mean, I'd, I mean, yeah, I'd love to have dinner with Pop, but she said player, so. Stick to the rules, Serge. Yeah. I, 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 rules are made to be broken. Come on. My dream, my dream dinner is Pop, Manu, and Boris Diaw. <laughs> See, I, I have, I agree with that, but I also throw in like Rick Carlisle showing up out of nowhere. Just no just... comment. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, my question is: We always talk. People have this like their favorite member sports memories that like they get into sports and they remember forever. But what's your most painful sports memory? Like what's the one that you hate to remember? Man, dude, that's tough. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm a five ten guard. I've been dunked on a lot. Um, <laughs> those, those are bad. I don't know. You know, I, I tore my ankle up, but that is in my early thirties. That, that might be the worst, but oh. I don't really have any bad ones, man. Like, you know, sports is, they're just fun. And, and I've never really taken them too seriously, even even while competing seriously and, and wanting to win. It was never one of those things that you know, I never pouted about a loss or something like that. And, I, you know, I was too good to be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, speaking, humble brag. Yeah, yeah. Humble brag. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of which question, though, because five five ten guard, um, I'm six foot five. I'm small forward. I've been dunked on, and for me, like every time I've been dunked on, it was such a huge thing. Because I was like, "God damn it!" Like, at what height do you think it's like it's you cross over from like, "All right, well, like you got dunked on," to like, "How could you get dunked on?" Like, what's the height transition? Um, you know, it, I don't know, man. Like, I had hops, so I always felt like I could go up and get the ball. Um, you know, and, and I was pretty good about getting my hand between the ball and the rim, uh, which you know, like that's the Alonzo Morning style dunk block. Um, so when I got dunked on, I mean, it, you know, I earned it, but um, I was always I, I, I felt bad, like giving up a, a layup, like giving up an open shot. 
Um, but I think that like if you're six eight and you get dunked on by someone who's smaller than you, it's it's embarrassing. Like um, Brandon Knight getting dunked on on a on an alley oop by DeAndre Jordan. Who cares? I mean, it, it looked amazing, but like you know, that's not the type of thing that you know he didn't get mozgobbed. That's true. He also didn't get Tim Hardaway Jr. <sighs> that dunk was ridiculous. Which may have been the best in-game dunk I've ever seen. Um, but Giannis is dunking on everyone. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. Everyone. He he was playing Toronto in the playoffs, and he had uh, he dunked it, and there was a, he had his hand on the rim and his foot on the ground. It was, it was absolutely absurd. All right, let's 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 get into some 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 of the basketball conversation around here. Um, let's start off with uh, Philadelphia fans doing the most and putting up that billboard in Cleveland and just pitching LeBron consistently. Now, um, Philadelphia Twitter has bought into the idea of LeBron James going to Philadelphia. Is it feasible? Do you guys see it working? What's what's the deal there? Um, do you want me to start? Yeah. Well, yes. Guess first. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um. Is it feasible? Yeah, um, I, I guess. Um, there's a lot of people that say it's like the best basketball situation for him. I disagree with that. Um, but to the Philly fans that want LeBron, I ask, do you want to get rid of Ben Simmons? Because effectively, that's what you will do. Uh, he's not the kind of guy that can play, on, that can be on the court without the ball in his hands. He just doesn't, he can't spot up. Um, I don't even think his post-ups are really that good. And if he does post up then what do you do with Embiid you stick you know he's a 33 percent uh three-point shooter you put him out spotting up um I think it just completely minimizes uh Ben Simmons as a player because you LeBron is not gonna have he's not gonna not have the ball in his hands so um I think that it'd be a huge mistake for for people that that like Ben Simmons and, and not to mention this this is a young team I, I think that you can you could do well to to build around the young core that they've got, not to mention the culture that they've built. When LeBron comes in, the culture becomes like he becomes the culture. And so, you know, you got to ask yourself, do we like the way uh, that our organization is trending? And do we like how things are run rather than, you know, you bring in LeBron and now the power structure is completely different. I mean, you got to trust the process at the end, right? Uh, the process has worked out pretty well for them. I, except with Colangelo in trying to undo everything like he has in Toronto previously. Yeah. Um, you know, that Amir Johnson contract, when they signed it, and now he's been actually okay for them this year, but when they signed it, I, I just assumed it was, he was a guy they would throw into trades at the deadline. You know, it's an $11 million contract, and, and it would help him get a piece for the playoff push. But, you know, then they didn't do that. But they did get Bellinelli, who I think is just perfect there. His his off ball stuff is is incredible. And now if they if they manage to get Urson, I think. Uh, um, they did. They got him today. Oh, they perfect. Today. I didn't. I didn't. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just coming in from work. That's actually perfect for them because then they there get to go. they get to drop Booker, and right. they get to run yeah, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who's Holmes has been great. Uh, yep. with Embiid, Alana, over to you. I know how much you hate me and my Philly love. I'm 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 the big. No. I don't know. I wouldn't. Okay, I'm not gonna say I hate. I'm not the biggest Philly fan, but I mean, I feel like this is one of those situations where people get overly excited at the thought of a big name because obviously that's. I mean, who wouldn't want LeBron on their team? Um, but like Dave was saying, it doesn't. I don't think it really fits the organization at this point, and I feel like because things are working out so well, 
like why throw a wrench in that plan? I mean, I get it. You're you're getting LeBron James, but it is going to change the dynamic so much that I don't. I mean, I also don't really see him going there to be honest. But I think the whole thing is just one of those, you know, fans getting overly excited at the thought of having you know this great guy in their team. But I don't. I don't really think it makes sense in the end. I mean. Yeah, you have to, at this point, you have to make a choice whether or not, and that depends on where Colangelo is at mentally, because I think Philly fans have built up so much around, they've leaned so hard into the process that I'm pretty sure it's, it's tattooed on somebody somewhere. Somebody in Philadelphia has a trust the process tattoo. Oh yeah. There's probably more than one. I mean, mean, at this point, it's, it's probably like uh, having a heart with your, with mom on it in Philly. (laughs) Well, that and the Eagles Super Bowl win. Um, those are the three staples. Like, you have to have those. Uh, but, yeah, I just like, – to me, it's hard to predict what Colangelo's thinking. I could never tell. Because at least with, with uh, you know, with Hinky, you had an idea. Like, he was very upfront about the fact that they were going to be really bad. Yeah, I mean, Colangelo, he was brought in there to, to get them to win um, and to win soon. Although, I think their, their timeline didn't really change. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that that was a, a whole weird thing. And, um, you know, like I've heard some stuff behind the scenes and it doesn't, doesn't clear up any of the murkiness to me. Um, but I, I think that what he did, I think signing JJ to that, to that big contract for the one year, I think that was smart. And, you know, I think he's done some other, made some other nice moves. Uh, the, the Fultz thing is going to come up. For a lot of people, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But Fultz was was regarded as the best player in this draft, so uh, he made a move to to improve the team and, and not just today, but long term. And I think, you know, I, I don't think he's done a bad job since he took over as GM. What do you think of how he handles the Fultz situation now? Because I've I've honestly never seen anything like this, and him trying him weird. out there is like it's like a prize, you know, like when you buy a prized horse or something. And you're like, as you're growing them into like towards the race, like, oh, look at him, like he's fit. But then he trots them out there when they know he's not making shots. He doesn't look right. Like, why would you put the pressure on that on that kid so much if you know you're not, like, if you know your timeline? Yeah. Um, well, maybe they don't know the timeline for getting him back. And uh, I look at it sort of like a like a young boxer, like a young boxer who's talented. His manager feeds him a bunch of, uh, you know. Uh, Tin cans, basically, a bunch of guys he can just beat and and look pretty good while he's beating them. You know, a lot of like early round stoppages and things like that. And you want to get this guy some wins. So you, when you put him out there in front of the media, you want him doing good things, looking like he's on the road to recovery. Um, the Kyle Newbeck piece, I don't know if you guys read it, but uh, it went into some of the particulars of what what uh, Fultz has been doing on his own. Mm-hmm. And it just made it seem like the team wasn't completely involved in every single thing. And, and that's never good. You want a cohesion when a guy is, is dealing with something like this. And it just seems like it's not there. I will say, though, that since that report came out, things have looked better. Um, you know, shooting is one of my specialties. And, uh, you know, the videos I've seen of him kind of shooting off the dribble and shooting fadeaways and stuff like that, they look good. It seems to just be the spot up where there's still an issue. And so I'm wondering if, if, there isn't some lingering mental part with the physical. Like um, one of the things I like to do, the guys that uh, having a hard time hitting shots in practice, well, I like to get them on the move, coming off screens, catching shoots, things like that. Things that take his mind off of the actual act of shooting. 
um, so that the shot is just something that happens naturally. You know, um, and for Fultz, he's a guy who was really good with the ball in his hands and shooting off the dribble. And I think that that's important. Get him doing that in front of the media where he actually looks good, looks comfortable. And then hopefully you're, you'll build the confidence up and, and can go from there. Well, that's that's what I mean is that like he, they, 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 they have him do they, they had him doing the wrong stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like the post from what we heard. Yeah, it seems like. It. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like you said that he was away from the team. Does that, in what way does that mirror the situation right now with Kawhi and the Spurs being away? Because, like, I've never, like, far be Colangelo doing something wrong, surprise, but I've never seen the Spurs be in this situation. Am I the only one who's not surprised at all? Like, when these reports came out, I was just like, yeah, obviously. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I just read into his moody temperament in a certain way that made me... Wait, you think Kawhi is moody? <laughs> Well, I mean, I just, when it came out that he clearly wasn't on the same page and that it seemed like he wasn't happy, I, I, it didn't shock me at all for some reason. Weird. It yeah, completely that's, shocked me. That's been, like, everybody's reaction. Like, how, how did you not think that was weird? I was just kind of like, yeah, this is the way it's going to go down. I just thought it was strange. Like, a guy like him, it seems like he would be pushing himself a little bit more to come back, and there kept being all those reports, like, you know, oh, he's not fully there yet, and then they wouldn't really give any details. It was all very vague and murky. So at the end of the day, I kind of, it just kind of hit me like maybe something, you know, something more is going on, and clearly it is. So the injury he had, it, it was a, a less severe version of what Tony Parker had. Mm -hmm. um, the issue is that Tony Parker, like, it's almost like uh, Mike Conley, where his Achilles was injured to the point where the only thing that, that it could do was tear, Mm -hmm. Or he has, needs to sit and rest and let it heal completely. Um, and so Kawhi, it, it just seems like it, it's it's a similar situation to that, which can be worse sometimes as far as your recovery time. And I think there was some frustration from what I understand, the reporting or whatever, uh, some frustration with the fact that he wasn't back uh, in a timely fashion compared to Tony Parker, who had a worse injury. But, you know, sometimes it's better to to have the injury be – the maximum injury and then you have it surgically repaired and you can actually start the rehab process. Whereas when you're waiting for it to heal, who knows when it's going to heal? Yeah, you know, no, totally. I just, and it's I, a painful injury. That's the, that's the other thing. And so yeah. I'm not shocked that, that if he wasn't feeling right and he didn't look right in those nine games, he was back. Um, he, he, I mean, part of that is just being out of rhythm with the rest of the team and things like that. But physically he didn't look all the way, you know, like the Kawhi that, that we're used to seeing. So, you know, I, 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 maybe I can understand it just a little bit better from his perspective. I, I get the frustration. The weird part to me is the stuff coming leaking from San Antonio, a place that doesn't leak. And this sort of, um, you know, now we had LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he requested a, a trade and, and they, they sorted that out. But this is a new kind of era in San Antonio, you know, gone are the Tim Duncan days officially. Do you think, do you think just the absence of Tim Duncan is also the factor in that? Because they built this culture around there. That's that, that's was almost as much player enforced as much, as much as it was an organization enforced. Like everything you hear coming out from the Tim Duncan era, like people would show up at your house. Like you would always be a team and a unit. And whereas now, like, you know, throwing in LaMarcus Aldridge, Tim Duncan gun, like, is that, is that just kind of like the Spurs becoming something else now? Like, are we should we prepare for the Spurs not winning fifty games at some point? You know, 
I don't know. Um, that's an interesting uh, kind of angle to look at it because, you know, David Robinson sort of started this, you yeah. know, the organizational culture thing. And of course, Pop was in the front office back then. And then um, Duncan sort of carried it on, at least from the locker room perspective. And then R.C. Buford and and Pop from the organization side uh, carried it on. So, you you know, I think you, you might have hit on a really good point there that not having that voice in the locker room that is so focused on, you know, on, on being a leader and and keeping things in house that that may be an issue. I, I don't know how Manu is in the locker room and, and Tony Parker. Um, but uh, but, yeah, I, I think that obviously they miss Tim Duncan from that perspective. Fair. Do you think? Do you think if if this Kawhi situation reaches like this pinnacle where like he does leave and everything, do you think? Do you think Pop might go too? Like, at no. what point? Um, no, I, I I think. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think Pop Pop will go when Pop wants to go. Let, let's put it like that. Um, and, and and when he does go, I just still think he's going to be you know a part of the front office and. Um, you know, he'll handpick his successor. Um, I, I don't I don't see him leaving. I so hope it's time. Becky. I hope I, I so hope that it's Becky for like, Yeah. It's um gonna, it's gonna freak so many people know. out. I think it, it I mean, if if they stay in house it, it might be Udoka. Yeah. Um I'm not sure. But I mean Becky Hammond, I, I, I'm of the opinion that she should get interviews this summer. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if she's interviewing for the Milwaukee job. That would be a great job. I mean, I mean, they interviewed her for the GM job, which <clears throat> was crazy. We've, I think, like everybody has pined for Milwaukee to actually be coached. Um, and now that and now that they are, nobody really wants them in that. First the issue job. is, what do we know about Becky Hammond as a coach? We we just like, and this is the this is true for most assistant coaches. We we take what we hear, and we assume that it's true. But that's it. We we don't know, you know, we don't know how they're going to coach on their own. I mean, there have been plenty of guys that have risen from the ranks of assistant, you know, being a high level assistant to being a head coach, and then they kind of are a bust. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Luke Walton is a bust because he's not. Uh, um, but he is, he's a relationship coach. He's not an X and O's coach. Um, and we've seen him struggle with with you know some of his rotation stuff, some of the X's and O's stuff. So, you know, this idea that, that anyone is just going to walk right off the bench and just, um, you know, because of the pedigree, be amazing. I think, you know, we, we should all be smarter than that. And, and we're getting there, I think. There is there's still an adjustment period, though. Like, I mean, obviously now we have the G League, which is just as important for coaches as it is for players. Like, look at Jerry yeah. Stackhouse with the 905s, and now he's in the running for <clears throat> for a head coaching, coaching job probably as soon as this summer. Oh, yeah. Someone's um, going to hire him this yeah. summer. Yeah, look at – I mean, Becky has had her stint in the summer league. I think her next thing would be probably the G League if she does want to go up there. Um, but we also get, like – I agree that it's hard to tell, and there's going to be an adjustment period because, like, I think the best example to kind of look at what you just said is Dwayne Casey with the Raptors because when he first came in, he was a very good defensive coach. But, like, up until pretty much this year, his like, he his grasp of the offensive style – was was not very good, just to, to speak plainly. Like this is the first time I've seen the Raptors play fluidly on offense. Yeah, I mean, but but kudos to him, right, for making yeah. the change. Yeah, um, growing growing into it. 
Yeah, all right. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, let's uh, kind of switch gears a little bit, talk about a topic that's kind of to Atlanta's heart. Uh, talk about the Dwayne Wade renaissance up in Miami. Uh, hitting Last a game night winner. was beautiful. Like, I, I don't, I've watched that shot from a hundred different angles already. And I just, he's back. That's all I can really say. I mean, oh, he's, he's back. He's, Are we saying like all-star level Dwayne Wade is back? No, but we're talking like enough to make enough of a difference. Like the fact, I mean, I think the problem with him is that it takes so long for him to warm up that by the time the fourth quarter comes, people are kind of, you know, why is he back? It's not, this isn't what we needed. You know, he's not adding anything. And then fourth quarter, Wade goes off and it is exactly what we needed because losing waiters was huge. There isn't really a closer. Goran's exhausted by that point. So, I mean, hey, you want to come in at 36 years old and score 15 in the fourth? I'll take it. Any I'm, night. I'm going to be a jerk. I'm going to be a jerk. Do it. Would, it. would it surprise you to know that he was minus 16 in that game yesterday? <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me because, like, I, that, and that's the thing. I feel like if you're judging the entire game, then, yeah, it looks really rough. Um, and if you actually – you know, if you look past the box score and past numbers, then yeah, he has a lot of work to do. But I, it, that I'll take all of that for a game winner. Well, like, what's what's that stat? Because the Heat have the worst record when the game is within like what five points with five with four or five minutes to go. I'm sorry, sure. There I mean, was a clutch, a clutch game is like within five points with five minutes. Yeah, although like literally a month ago we led the league in clutch wins, so it's, right. Yeah, it, it that vacillates. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, it's. I think. I think a team like the Heat, in particular, with Wade, they need that locker room presence, because like outside of Udonis Haslam, like they need somebody who can do that both on the court and off the court. Yeah. Because I don't think I, Hassan, despite like, no, no. I, I don't think he's that, and Dragic no. is too quiet. Yeah. No. I, I think. I think Wade is a good is a good guy for this team to have, but like. You know, again, I mean, he was minus sixteen. Like, let's let's not make this something that it isn't. I mean, it was a, it was a nice moment for sure, and that's and that's awesome. Um, but uh, he's not gonna. You can't count on this kind of performance from him. And, and you know, I was really high on Miami for a while there, and they've just kind of fallen off. And you know, it, it's it's tricky when you're a team that that really doesn't have a ton of talent. Um, there's no whoa, real whoa, star whoa. on the team. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. John, you, you messed Dr. up. You're what? about to you're about to hear it. Oh, Careful. Okay. No, you're a guest, so I'm not I'm not Who, going wait, to I, uh... no, I need to know who's who's the superstar on this team. Oh. No, but that's the Eric beauty. There's no, there's no superstar. We don't need one. Um they're thirty two and twenty nine. I'd say you could use one. Don't worry, we'll be fine. Okay. Uh we'll now I, I'm a huge fan of Josh Richardson and I think Josh Richardson is a star in the making. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's on his way there. I mean, the guy is is a legit two-way player, and I hate that term, but, like, he's a he's a really great defender, and, and he's coming along on offense. Um, they're giving him a little bit more to do, which is good, you know, putting the ball in his hands. But uh, he's not there yet, and Drogic is on the way down, and I know he just made his first All-Star game, and he's having a good season, but – um, you know, here's a hot take. He shouldn't have made that all-star game, but that's just me. Serge, I'm literally going to log <laughs> off if I hear this from you one more time. I almost muted you on Twitter the night of the all-star game. You were pissing me off so much. Oh, yeah, I was not. I was not. 
it was that was not the friendliest to Goran Dragic in that in being in that All Star game. <laughs> but no, I I I agree with you on Josh Richardson. I really like him. I think. And I think having Wade back is going to do wonders for him in particular because he was devastated when Wade left, and I think that he really views him as a mentor. Um, not necessarily. I mean, they don't. Their games aren't very similar, but just to have that sort of you know leadership on and off the court, like Serge was saying, I feel like that's really important. And going back to what you said before, I think that, yeah, we're not going to maybe get 27 points out of Wade every night, but I do think that when it comes to the fourth quarter, I, I'm comfortable counting on him over oh, a lot of the other Are guys. you comfortable counting on him to, uh, to foul accidentally? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was uh, not expected or ideal. Now, it worked out. <laughs> It did. It worked well, out. But let's um, not confuse the results with the process. No, was, he would have never heard crazy. the end of that had that not gone his way. I don't really know what happened there. I mean, it's fair. I, and I, I think it's more of like a nostalgia moment. Uh, but then again, that playoff series, was it two years ago versus Charlotte? The Dwayne Wade just kind of shook off the dust and started hitting all those threes. Yeah, in the in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you, Dave. Looking at the eight uh, nine spot, do you got the Heat or the Pistons taking that eighth? I got the Heat. Uh, right. The Pistons are whew, man, they are just not good. God, that's a mess. Blake has been really bad lately. I mean, lately? really bad. Well, don't okay. get me started on Blake. Yeah, it, it's not. Things are not going well there. I, you know, that's that's a that's another place that might be looking for a new coach. And and you know, I like Stan Van Gundy a lot, but. I think I think it like it's one of those that I point to where I'm like you should not be the GM and the coach. It's, oh, that's it's that's dead. That's yeah. going away. I mean, yeah. like even in Minnesota, you know, Tom Thibodeau. Oh. Could you say he's done a good job? No way. No. Just, Jimmy Butler has been amazing. He killed Jimmy Butler though. Um. No, that injury is not a. It's not about like an overuse thing. So I, I, I will defend him on that. Now I won't defend him on how many minutes he's been playing those guys all year. And the fact that, you know, who, who's going to step up for Jimmy because he didn't have anybody in the rotation that can just take on more minutes. Um, you know, and it's 37 minutes a game he's got to make up for. It's not, you know, 30. He's going to run Wiggins. He's going to run Wiggins like 45. Oh yeah, Wiggins and and Carl Anthony Towns are going to go to forty four minutes a game for sure, and they're going to have to do it, man. I don't know how, you know, the the Timberwolves. I think have a, there's a good chance they're going to drop out of the playoffs. I because see it. I mean, think about it. They they weren't good last year without Jimmy Butler, and they basically are that team again, but with Teague instead of Rubio. Yeah, it's it's oh I guess they have Taj, for whatever that counts for but um and by the way Taj is having a nice season but you know they're they're not I mean it's they're not locks they're three and a half games out um I guess the Clippers are are three and a half games behind the Timberwolves for the three seed so you know it's all man the west is wide open right now it's it's what are you what are you saying about like the coaches and the GMs and stuff and also like the other thing with like Vin Gundy and Thibs is that when they got those GM reigns, they kind of keep coaching in the old style that kept working for them back. Like, Van Gundy basically tried to rebuild that Orlando team for what it was worth with Dwight Howard around, in the middle, around yeah. Drummond. Um, and now Thibs is just trying to rebuild that Chicago team, except, like, instead of having the explosive, like, Derrick Rose, he tried to put that on Andrew Wiggins just out of a different position. And it just doesn't work any. Like, that was a long time ago. Um, but 
because they're the GM, nobody's there to kind of curb them and be like, yeah, let's not do that. Let's build this team this way. They're like, well, this is how I want to play. This is how I want to build this team. Um, and I agree with you that that's, that's going away uh, quite quickly. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, things that might be going away, the NBA has been saying a lot of things about anti-tanking, how they don't want to do it. I got two questions. A, which team is winning the tankathon right now? And B, what can the NBA possibly do to stop it entirely? Um, I, so I'll start with who's winning. I think Phoenix is winning right now. I mean, according to record, they've got the most losses, um, as of today. Uh, let's see how that goes. And, and they're not good anyway. So I don't, you know, they could, they could go the rest of the season without winning a game. Remember when they gave Tyson Um, Chandler all that money? Yes. And they had three bigs. They're like, we have three bigs we need to develop. Tyson Chandler is the answer. And they did it as a way to, to, draw LaMarcus Aldridge to their team. I just, I don't know, man. I love, um, they didn't even get LaMarcus to commit. Like the, the proper way to do it is be like, LaMarcus, if you commit, like if you sign, we sign Tyson Chandler. Right. <laughs> Not the other way around. Yeah. But I mean, there's Orlando, Atlanta and Sacramento are all right there. Um, but Phoenix has lost 10 in a row. So they're at least doing it right. <laughs> they're committed. They're in it. Yeah. Um, and then what was the other what was the other question? Like, Sorry, can, can the a... NBA stop? Well, like obviously draft the depth of the draft class will always dictate this kind of stuff. Here, like you could be in the top ten and bottom ten and still get a decent pick. But like Adam Silver saying that they're they're gonna work it to stop it and they're changing the lottery format next year. But like, is it gonna entirely kill it? Because like look at Philly. No, it's not. People are people are still gonna tank to whatever it takes to get a better pick. And so like if if you're if you could be the eighth seed or or be the you know the first team out of the playoffs and you know you're just going to get swept now some teams are going to say no we want to make the playoffs and we want that money but there are going to be some teams that say well i'd rather have the guaranteed better pick or a shot at the lottery yeah, um, I just, i'm so against tanking i think the whole thing is so dumb you have no idea if your pick is going to pan out i mean to like yeah. If you're already like pretty bad then okay you might as well drop like one or two seeds further but if you're basing your entire strategy you know going into the season or even the second half of the season based on a pick it just it blows my mind that people are still doing this to be honest well i mean the the truth is you're you incentivize losing because of the way the lottery is um my my solution is even lottery odds every year for every team so if you're like if you're not in the playoffs you just have no 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 every team even if yeah i i agree Wow. So it's totally random what pick you get. Um, it's more like that wheel thing that uh, Zach Lowe talks about a lot. It's closer to that, at least, although you could have a team get two number one picks in a row. It'd be, you know, be statistically unlikely, but um, it could happen. Uh, my other the other thing is, like, I would love to see just free agency where the bad teams got more money. Um, but but it was just real free agency. So, you know, if you had DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic, they could uh, choose whether they played for the Phoenix Suns for $10 million a year or played for the Golden State Warriors for the minimum. So, so like, kind of kill the, the, the pay structure that they do with the rookies and everything. I mean, that's an interesting... Yeah, or adjust the pay structure somehow, right? Like, I, my thing is, I, I just, you know, I'm a believer in the free market, so I would love to see guys not being forced to go somewhere... They don't necessarily want to go. I think they should have a choice. Um, well, that's kind of the suggestion. So, like, that actually 
leads into another question I was going to ask, um, and that ties into you know the NCAA investigation that we're seeing right now, um, and people trying to figure out how to solve it, and then the NBA is trying to figure out like how they sh- they should contribute to this. And one of the solutions was actually uh, kind of a European soccer structure, possibly. Like, yeah, I mean that's happening in other countries. Uh, the NBA is setting up academies. Um, you know, there's one in Africa. There's, I think they're opening one in India. Um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a thing. And, and I, I think we'll get that in the States, uh, at some point. I, I just make, it just makes too much sense. The G league is also a nice option for guys who, you know, coming out of high school. Um, but you know, this is big business. And if you look at the way soccer does it, I, I think it's much smarter to get these guys, identify them at like 10 or 11 years old and then have them in your development system. And then, you know what I mean? Like you can actually be in charge of that. And, and um, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of that. I mean, fair, fair enough. Uh, I have a flip question to that, though, is that is the NCAA problem something of NBAs to solve? No, they're a competitor. Right. Like, like I, I, who cares? Yeah. Like I, it's the one and done thing, man. It was it was always the weirdest it was such a reactionary thing for David, yeah. for David Stern. It was such a – and I think it had to do – like I think a lot of it had to do with the development. I do think there was a lot of thought put into the fact that you're taking these 18-year-old kids. And the moment it started becoming very prevalent and you started getting more busts, then like you started getting more like right. – uh, I'm trying to think of a very bad – like you started getting more Telfairs than like J- LeBron James's. Sure. That's when it, you kind of come in and say like – well, and see, now this is the thing, man, like that is on the teams, you know, I think the teams really need to just be better, do better. Um, it's not the league's job to save teams from themselves. Yeah, that is fair. And I agree. And I think like, cause like, like a lot of people are saying stuff like what, what's the NBA going to do about like with their draft with the NCAA? I'm like, that's not on them. That is yeah, entirely it's not, like, it's, it's not an- their problem at all. No matter what you think about the NCAA, and let me get like, like let me put this straight. I think it's absurd that an organization that manages to make millions of commercial deals forbids kids to make some money. Right. Somewhere. Even if they don't pay them, they're not allowed to make money on their own likeness. Yeah. But the school can, and the NCAA can. Like that's absurd. That that is the most absurd Ridiculous. thing I've ever I've ever seen. Um, and I mean, I feel like every solution that comes out of it. Like we're talking about nothing that comes out of it, the way you solve it, whether it's like whatever the LeVar Ball League or whatever, whatever it may be. Like you, ha- you're gonna have to end up paying these kids, right? You're gonna have to. There has to be a payment. They're gonna have to be a payment structure in place because, like, if you go from there to another place where you like don't pay them, like that, that's 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 a big thing for me. Um, I mean, we're not gonna solve this issue overnight. I just wanted to kind of like bring that up because we got to that. We got to that point a little bit with you know the development and what you mentioned about the draft, the teams kind of evening it out and developing their own players. Um, I have one more question before we jump into our big uh, kind of like discussion that we save for the week. Uh, we have like 15 minutes left. So uh, the Zaza Pachulia thing. He's a dirty player. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone could defend him at this point. Like there's yeah. been so much evidence against him. Um, I, I depend. Now I defended the, the Kawhi play. Uh, stepped under him. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it, honestly, like, Zaza is a huge person, and he doesn't really defend many threes, and he was, you know what I mean, like, he was sliding his feet and looking away, you know, like, 
I, right. I defended Even that. Even that aside, though, there's been right. so many other instances. There's too many. Absolutely. There's way too many. See, my, my problem with the Russell Westbrook one, the one where he falls on him, is that if you watch it, you can clearly see, like, him hesitate. You can see him yeah. kind of stop. There's like, uh, yeah. And that's there's not how gravity that works. He's clearly thinking about it, and then he goes down. It's not just, like, a continuous motion. Um, yeah, it, 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 that was a dirty play, and he's a dirty player. If Steven Adams falls like that on Steve Kerr, how long uh, on Steph Curry? How long does it take Steve Kerr to call the league? Um, I don't think I don't think Kerr is that kind of guy. That's fair. I just like I I, I was surprised when he and I, I know you got to stick to your guys, but like the moral compass thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, like, you, I don't think you're ever gonna have players on a team say a guy's dirty. You know, what would would. LeBron have said that Della Vadova is dirty? Probably not. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, when Della Vadova almost ripped off Kyle Korver's ankle. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they can't. Really they can't do that. They can't. Right. It, it's. I mean, it, it would it would be unprofessional on so many levels to go out against your own player. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're toast if you do that. So, um, yeah, I, I I think that I don't know. I don't know that. The league can even do anything about it to legislate it out. Um, they just have to call it, you know, on, on the court. That's what and I mean. Like there is, there is no precedent. Did he get fined or anything for that? No, no. no, no okay. No. Yeah. See, I mean, as bad as it was in the moment, to do nothing about it after the fact is just. I think there's no precedent because like, you do right. have to determine. Like you can't find people for falling. Like, yeah, and also you can't legislate intent. Um, it's impossible. And it's rough and I think it it sucks and I and I think he's going to hurt somebody at some point, possibly one of his own players. But um I agree. All right. Um well, he already hurt KD last year. Yeah, Remember? He was out for like a month, so All right. Um let's 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 talk about something that I really wanted to talk about today. Um I set this for the very last topic of the night. Because I think it was a big deal when it came out. I think it's still a big deal, but nobody has really talked about it as much over the past couple of days. And that's the Sports Illustrated Dallas Mavericks report, um, which I think, I think everybody was. I don't like. What was your guys' reaction? Because I, I want to say I was angry, but I, I don't want to say I, I. I can't say I was shocked. Like it wasn't. Like I'm like, how could this possibly ever happen? In my mind, I was like, yes, like it make like it's a sports organization. Right. The, the ussery stuff wasn't like a surprise. I mean, it was terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make light of it, but you know, to, to know that there was, um, you know, someone in a position of power that sexually harassed female employees, like um, that's not a shocker that happens in probably more organizations than it, than it doesn't happen, which is a shame. Right. And, and I know how the NBA feels about this, but the NBA tries to be inclusive. And, and it's one of the things that the league talks about quite a bit and, and that they're proud of inclusive, not just like, you know, in their diversity of, of, you know, ethnicities and countries that are represented and stuff like that. But also, I mean, there's a lot of women working in front offices and now, you know, on coaching staffs now and, and other places like that. So um, I'm sure that there are a lot of people around the league who like me were surprised to hear it, especially in that organization, knowing what we know about Mark Cuban. Yeah, I think that's the part that really kind of got to me. On the one hand, I was not shocked in the sense that, you know, it is a male-dominated industry. But for Mark Cuban to have such a huge part in that organization and then for this to be going on, I mean, 
it's hard to believe he didn't know. I'm not saying he knew everything, but to be completely blind to all this, like it, I don't know. It makes me look at him in a completely different light. It's like a college coach whose assistant gets uh, arrested for wire fraud, claiming to not have any idea that that coach was involved in paying players to come to that school. That's how it feels. It honestly does. Like his, his, his statement where he said he had no idea anything like that was happening. It just rang hollow, and um, the, well, he walked that one, back, right? Because he walked that right, back with with the, with the uh, on the domestic violence. Yeah, on part. the domestic violence mm-hmm. part, and his excuse right. was like, to me, was such a. He's like, oh no, like we don't want him to do this somewhere else, so like we might as well just keep him employed here, and then also HR will register his relationship with another coworker. Right. Like there is. There's well, it's ways. like people don't call about people wouldn't call you for a reference. Listen, man, the yeah. NBA is not big. Right. right. It, it is a small group of people and um, everybody knows everybody. If there's a problem they're they're going to find out uh, you, you know, this is what, like, it's a relationship business and it's why I'm, I'm very, like, I try to protect my reputation um, because it's so important. And I mean, that kind of stuff gets around. So yeah, that was, that was the one that I was actually shocked by that, that, that situation existed. It wasn't so much the usery thing. And again, this is not, saying that it wasn't terrible but it's not shocking to hear that you know that existed but the mm-hmm. other one was just like what like how yeah dumb. There, and there's not really an excuse for that like no matter yeah. how you try you know to to work around it that that should not have been a situation that ever occurs there's eight million bloggers that you could have replaced that dude with i mean no, no offense to to all of the people that we know that are bloggers and writers and whatnot but there's a lot of really good ones out there that you could have just hired that that aren't beating up women in their spare time yep and that's 100% so. and that's kind of like to your to your point with the tightness of the nba i was i was actually at a very good event last night speaking uh masai Ujiri was speaking and he had raptors Love that dude. Uh, he's amazing. He's actually like, he asked people to put his phones, uh, their phones away during the presentation because he said, he's like, I'm going to say some stuff and everybody put oh, your yeah. phones away. Um, yeah, and he, he, he's great. He had Raptors VP of operations, uh, Teresa Ratch, who's used to be with Minnesota organization. But that's to your point. They spoke about how, like when they came in, like when he came in as a GM, he specifically went after her because he met her through the NBA, working through the Giants of Africa. Then he went to somebody else he worked with. There's never like, there's never, you, you never look outside of that pool if you don't have to, in particular in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like you always, you have this established group and you know you're qualified people. And you, so like, if you fire that particular writer like if he spent a lot of his time writing about basketball and being the beat writer for the Mavs that's going to be his next progression he's going to go somewhere else right. and does the same thing and like they have your number like uh, I mean did you guys follow the Twitter drama attached to this guy uh, no. no so okay so they let him go mm-hmm. before the report dropped but they did not tell him the report was coming oh uh, at least judging by his Twitter feed Oh yeah, um, was I mean, that was that the one where, deleted. where he started that he's like on vacation or like paid leave or something like that? He yeah, exactly. Like yeah, he he basically Yikes. you know was like uh, I don't know what what's coming next, but you know I'm looking forward to it or whatever. Well, I don't think he was looking forward to what came, and, and you know uh, people make mistakes, and this is this is uh, you know I caught some backlash for because I had a pretty strong take on this, you know. Um, you know I I don't really uh, give people second chances when they beat people up. 
Well, and he got um, he got his just second chance too. Like, right? The, yeah. The other thing is, Mark Cuban gave gave it to him for us. Yeah, um, and again, like, I don't know the guy, um, and that's not my it's not my company, so it's not my reputation. And, and Mark Cuban, you know, making that decision, that's on him. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been me. That's not how I would have uh, responded to that. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Because we talk a lot about Mark, like, like there was talk about how much Mark Cuban really knew. Because um, I think it's hard for me to believe. I agree with you. It's hard to believe for somebody who's involved, as involved as Mark Cuban, who's as visible as Mark Cuban, to kind of like not know what's happening in one of his most important, you know, enterprises, so to speak, as right. an entrepreneur. Um, what's like in my mind, it's almost worse that like that he has known something and then he has insulated himself from the rest. So there, there's an argument to be made that, that he's not completely involved in the business side and, and that's how the usury stuff would have happened. Um, I know he's extremely involved in the basketball side and the basketball ops side. So people have brought up, you know, the in arena stuff where like he, he got upset about a replay that they didn't show on the jumbotron. All right, but that that's a little bit different. And so, like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he trusted the professionals that had been in the business side. You know what I mean? Like, if he didn't hear anything, it, it it's not the wildest idea that he didn't hear anything about Usury. That's not completely out of the question. That's that's, the that's other, fair. The See, other I don't part, I don't know if I buy. I'm that. saying it's not out of the question. No, I I understand, and I do I do see what you're saying for yeah. you know the fact that the basketball ops is a completely different arena, mm-hmm. but I I don't know, for a guy who prides himself on always being on top of everything and, you know, having his, you know, foot in the door of every department, of every industry that he, you know, has, has a part in, it is, it's, it's just a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I agree that it, it could be far-fetched, um, but not completely outside of the realm of possibility. And the other thing is they had the, um, the PR guy who was, who was sort of, covering for that stuff and i believe he was there before cuban but i'm not i'm not sure anyway either way it it's a black mark on the league um i think that the league starting a hotline is fine i wish it was an independent hotline and not run by the league itself mm-hmm. um though the the league i think has a pretty good track record um outside of the isaiah thomas in the uh with the knicks um where they really didn't do anything um they paid didn't then there was like a settlement and then yeah yeah but that was with the knicks and he was still part of the organization right yeah he didn't lose his job um so you know i think that what we'll get this summer because i think they will do stuff this summer i think you'll get an independent commission that will investigate every team and the league as a whole and make sure that this is something that it cannot happen again you know it's telling that under armor employed that guy for two months before this popped up the first time and they they kicked his ass at a curb well, I, that that was actually you kind of, you, you kind of hit on what I I advocated for all of like the sooner it came out is I, I I basically said I'm like you can't just look at it as a maps issue because right this is we're talking about sports and as much as we want to keep telling ourselves that like everything's fine and and fine like there is there's probably something at every level in each organization. Although um, I will say I do trust the NBA way more so than something like the NFL. You know sure. I think that. Them hand, I, I do believe that they're going to at least attempt to try and you know find out if this is happening elsewhere and try to rectify the situation. Yeah, no, I, 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 
hundred percent. And think, I think the hotline's a good thing because with the hotline too, like you get other teams' reports, and it's also going to come down to where in the culture process the organizations are. Because if you look at a team like Dallas Mavericks when it all started happening with Usri and stuff, that's a long stand. Like he's been around for a while. Like it's right. it's a transition from that old boys club. Whereas if yeah. you look for at an organization like the Raptors, and I'm not trying to, you know, just saying because I'm from Toronto, but there, sure. five years ago, they started a very big cultural shift. Where right, they started like, we're not going to hear forward. this about yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, I yeah. think, and not, that's not to say that didn't happen within that organization, because, like, at this point, it's how deep you're, you're willing to dig. Because I guarantee you, if you look for Clippers under Sterling, yeah, there is, there is a whole lot there. Um, right, but I doubt it's happening under Balmer. That's exactly it. So I think, so, yeah, and right, I, and I think that's a good point and something we should all remember. Um, but I do, I do think there's going to be. I'm actually surprised it's kind of died down. Um, I thought there was going to be a big push for him to sell the team. Yeah, uh, I, I was surprised at it, how quickly it kind of disappeared. People were all, you know, all over it for what a day, maybe two, and then it just faded out. Yeah. I think the commission. I think hiring that outside agency to come in and take a look. I think that that. I mean, you know, it says a lot. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't completely erase his responsibility, and I think he knows that. And he's been, he's been to his credit, he's been super upfront about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, he, he admitted to fucking up. So, and I think, I mean, it's also a testament to like the age, the day and age we live in that that story didn't live for as long as we did because like how many crazy things just happened everywhere else in the past four days that you know. Yeah. Like today alone in U.S. politics is worth like a year worth of information. So good grief, man! It's <laughs> such a yeah, it's such a loaded news cycle now. Uh, but I do wish, I do wish, like I, I hope we keep keep talking about this, and I hope the NBA um, and I give them, I, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they're they're going to be able to stay transparent as they are and not just make this kind of like a reactionary thing to Dallas Mavericks, even though it is, but like build it into something more, build it into a cultural thing where yeah. uh, maybe it's not just the hotline. And I agree with you that there should be an independent body, but maybe it's actually like a committee within the NBA if that's the way they maintain it. You know what I mean? If Yeah, I, but the NBA is a male-dominated entity, um, so I'd like to see like some women represented on this committee. No, absolutely. I would, I would, I would agree with you entirely there. Um but yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, anyways, yeah. we're we're pretty much on the dot for time, so that brings us to our very last section of the podcast, um, and we call this no timeouts. And I put a minute and thirty seconds on the clock, and I ask sometimes Alana, and when we have a guest, I ask our guest. So it's, today it's you, Dave. Um, I ask them as many questions as they can squeeze into that time frame. Um- I'm really good at this. <laughs> and they may not they may not be basketball related related. So Perfect. like they could be All right. they could like there's a lot of basketball today. I wrote I wrote some of them down. There's a lot of basketball today and uh but from that point on like there's a few that are not basketball related. You All ready? Right. Yep. All right. Three, let's go. No context. Bill Lambier or Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman or Charles Oakley? Dennis Rodman. Charles Oakley or real live bear? Charles Oakley. <laughs> As a, yeah. Who's your all NBA superhero top five if you had to choose to fight Thanos? Oh, uh, Michael Jordan because he's a killer. Shaq because he's huge. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain because he's a freak. Uh, Dennis Rodman because he's a nut. And uh, you know what? Let's go Muggsy Bogues because he's sneaky. He's kind of like small, like Ant Man. 
He'd be like, he'd be like the rogue action of this. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, five players in the Space Jam remake. Who are the five players that you want uh, their powers to have stolen? Can't be LeBron James, obviously. Okay, five active players. Yes. Okay. Uh, KD, Steph, um, AD, Giannis, and uh, let's say James Harden. Ability to draw fouls. Who would you Who would you enjoy watching the most without their powers? Try to play basketball. I don't know, man. Like that that gets tricky. Uh, Russell Westbrook. That's fair. Uh, would you rather fly somewhere or drive somewhere? Drive. Uh, what's the number one place in the world that you want to go? That I haven't been. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that's tough. Uh, Antarctica. That's fair. Your most controversial non-basketball take. Recent one or just in general? <laughs> Whichever one you uh, want. Black Panther was an average movie. Woof! Oh, wow. That, that I don't was... even think it's, that, it's not controversial, actually. <laughs> it's not. Michael B. Jordan was not good in that movie. Oh, all right. We can't put it out this, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was great. I actually, I actually really like the, uh, the All-NBA team to fight. Uh, people Fair forget enough. how athletic Will Chamberlain was. Like, he, Dude, he was, he was, yeah, possibly the greatest athlete of all time. He ran track. Like, my favorite one is yeah. the Arnold Schwarzenegger stories on the set of Conan, right. when he's just like, they're lifting as much as they can, and he's just like, all right. And d- he wasn't a weightlifter. Yeah. He just walked over, okay, let's do this. Yeah, I love it. It's sort of like, um, I mean, this is, the Herschel Walker stories are all bullshit, Yeah. right? Herschel Walker um, being like this uh, Mr. Olympia-looking guy. Oh, I never touched a weight. Um I don't know what the obsession with these guys and never touched a weight is. It it's just doesn't make any sense. They're doing it now, like they did it uh, with DeAndre Ayton at Arizona, um, where where they you know they they're telling that tale. Oh, he never touched a weight, and now he's doing 900 pound leg presses. Which, by the way, don't do leg presses because they're a dumb exercise. They're bad for your back. They shift your, your pelvis into a weird spot. Yeah, and bad for your knees. It's a good way to to hurt yourself, especially if you're seven feet tall. So yeah, that's that's that that's. That is a hundred percent fair. Um, yeah. It's almost the one. The one story that's very believable is the Boris Dio cup of coffee draft combine vertical that's, jump. That's real. I've heard it from from people that are not Zach Lowe. Um, that one's real. Hundred percent. I think people don't realize how good of an athlete Boris Dio is, and was. You know, I mean, think about like. I mean, he was basically playing forty pounds overweight for for a lot of like the Most. last five years of his career. Most of us, like, yeah, yeah, that's he's one of my favorite players. When he was shutting him. down LeBron, when LeBron was in Miami, I miss um, him tremendously. You know, I miss. I, him I tremendously. love that guy, man. Um, <laughs> all right, well, thanks. It was a pleasure to have you, uh, Dave. You have one yeah, more chance uh, to plug whatever it is you want. So go ahead, tell our listeners what they should be checking uh, out. Yeah, just I mean, you know, check out my Twitter feed because uh, you know, come for the basketball analysis, stay for the jokes. It's uh, at Dave Dufour NBA. And then the podcast is on the NBA with Dave Dufour. Uh, I had Larry Kuhn on this week to talk about the sports business classroom and actually got the Larry Kuhn CBA superhero origin story, which was pretty fucking awesome. All right. So go ahead and listen to that. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for making it all the way to the end of this podcast. Or, you know, we're sorry, whichever one you're feeling right now. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Alana. No problem. Thank you. <laughs>